Welcome to the Victory Family Worship Center podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thevictory.tv at gmail.com. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 8. If you have your uh, app, church app, you can go to church app. You can go to click on that uh, V and then go to Sunday experience. And then you'll have a plethora of stuff in there, sermon notes and prayer requests. You can do all kinds of stuff from that app digitally and it'll come right to our phones and we'll get notifications and we can stay in touch and digital stuff and technology is cool until it doesn't work. And then it's not cool. So um, John chapter 8, I'll give you give a minute to flip there or turn it on or whatever you need to do. We're in a series called Free. Let's pray and ask God's anointing on the Word of God. Father, thank you once again for all of those that are here today, those that are tuning in to us live. God, we pray that you would speak into the hearts of people today, God, all over this place, God. Even tonight as this video goes out, God, and more and more people watch it, God, I pray that, um, God, it, this brings life into every situation and circumstance, and we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we're talking about today is living free, living a life, live, free to live for God. And um, we're, we're in this particular series called Free, and the first three messages had to do with, um, you know, they had to do with something. Today's a little different than those first three messages. In the first three, we focused on living free in the sense of being all that you can be for God, using your gifts, how to develop those gifts, how to break off the limits in your life, and how to get out of the box, basically. But today, we're going to get into it a little more uh, a little more deeper, a little more challenging element of it, and that's learning how to basically live free from sin, Live free from sin. And I would argue that um, if you ask the average church person, um, is it possible to live, for, live free from sin, the answer would be no. Most people would say no, it's not possible. Most people would say we can't live free from sin. And I'm not saying that you'll never have sin in your life. That's not what I'm talking about because <clears throat> all of us are capable on any day to sin. What I'm talking about is living in a place where sin no longer controls your life. Um, it's no longer part of your daily management in life. It's no longer a stronghold in your life. You're no longer addicted to that particular sin, and it's, it doesn't have control. Unfortunately, in a lot of churches today, the majority of people that go to church are still bound in sin. They're not free from it. And again, I'm not saying you won't sin. I'm just saying sin does not have control over you. Sin doesn't rule in your life. It doesn't control you. A lot of people spend a, an unimaginable, inordinate amount of energy trying to manage their sin. That's what I did for many years, better than 15 years. I tried to manage the sin instead of fulfilling God's purpose for my life and the calling that God put on my life here on earth. When Jesus came on the scene, when he, was, when he came to this earth, Jesus came to give us, and he, he gave us a message of freedom. That's what he talked about, especially freedom from sin. John chapter 8, verse 31 says this, you, if you are truly my disciples, you are truly my disciples, all of you, if you're a disciple, if you remain faithful to my teachings, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Most of you know that. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, the disciple said. We can, you know, we've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we can be free? And Jesus replied to them and said, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free indeed. So the, the definition of free, if you look in the dictionary, it's no longer under the control or the power of something. You're no longer confined. You're no longer imprisoned. You're released from captivity or confinement or slavery. 
So if anyone here today, if you feel like there's something that has you confined, something that has you imprisoned, uh, you know, some kind of sin, when I finish today, my goal is and my prayer is that you're on a journey to freedom. Um, this, is, this is a journey to get you free from that thing. Whatever it is, and 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 look, it's okay to admit that there's something. I you know I lived here. I lived in this place for 15 years, trying to be a Christian, but there was something controlling my life. And and so this is your journey. If you really if you're really serious about God and you want to be free, and and you want to you don't want to be bound by that thing, you can be free. That's the good news today. So again, it doesn't mean you're never gonna sin. This is talking about free from those addictions and those strongholds, free from being controlled by that thing. You'll be free from control. And, and so, but in order to do that, you've got to understand freedom. You've got to have a good understanding of freedom and what it looks like. So I believe in the church sitting here today, there's three categories of people and how they think about sin. You're, you're, you're in one of these categories and how you think about sin. The first category is, if, if you're taking notes, is there's people that are blinded to sin. They're just blinded by sin. They, they, Satan comes to blind your mind. He, he talks about deception and just, just, you know, he even talks about a reprobate mind. Um, Satan wants to blind your mind uh, uh, so that you're, you don't understand sin. And when I'm talking about this subject, I'll, I'll start losing people's interest here. Because, for example, um, I, meet, I met with one couple one time, and, they, and it's been a while back, and they were talking to me about buy, they wanted to buy a house. I, I knew that they were, uh, you know, they wanted to buy a house. They were talking to me about their finances, and, and, and um, I knew that they were living together, and they weren't married. And, and I just said, I, I just looked at them, and I said, well, wait, wait, wait. You're talking about buying a house and doing all these things and finances. I said, first of all, are you married? And they looked at me like, well, No. And I said, I just looked at him and said, well, listen, God is not going to honor anything else in your life until you're married, until you come together as one. You know, God's not going to have his hand on your marriage. He's not going to have your hand on your finances, anything you do until you honor God in the marriage covenant. Because a lot of people in our culture, they'll just look at you. Are you married? No. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with, what's wrong with just living together? And so let me just clarify, you may or may not know that it's a sin to live with somebody you're not married to. I mean, that's the Bible. There, but there are a lot of people that do this in church. They're living together and they're blinded to the fact that it's a sin. They're blinded to it. You know, they don't realize it's a sin. Well, everybody else is doing it. It must be okay. But it's not okay because everyone's doing it. It's not necessarily okay because everyone's doing it. There's a lot of things in our life that we don't know that are sin until we start reading the Bible and start realizing, hey, that's a sin. <laughs> Brain, mind blown. That's a sin. And so we're, there's a lot of people that are blinded to certain sins. The second category of people in, in, in the church, they're not blinded to sin. They know it's a sin, but they struggle with sin. They struggle with something. Not all sin, but they struggle with something. For years and years and years, I struggled with an addiction, addiction to, and I, you know, it doesn't even matter what I was addicted to. I was, it, 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 had, it had strongholds over me. It had control over me. It dictated my feelings. It dictated my temper. It dictated a lot of things about me. It had control. And, and so I, don't, I didn't want to sin. I don't necessarily want to sin. I didn't feel good about it, but I kept falling back into that sin because it had control over me. It bound me. It had me tied. It was a stronghold. Listen, and it could be a sexual sin. It could be sexual immorality, lust. It could be, I mean, it could be overeating, self-indulgence. Um, it could be anger. Uh, you know, anger controls you. It could be, uh, you know, just a lot of things that you just struggle with this one area of your life and you want to be free. And so people come to God, they want to be free but they can't get, seem to get free. This one little thing that's got them bound. And so they spend all their time struggling with this sin, battling with this sin. And somewhere in that journey of that sin, they begin to buy into this lie that they can't be free from it. 
I'm just, this is just the way it's going to be. I've struggled with this all my life. I can never be free from this. I'm always going to struggle with this. Um, and and I, this is an old AA model because I've been in AA. I've, I've dealt with this. And the old AA model is I'm an alcoholic. I'm always going to be an alcoholic. Blah, 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 blah. Can I just tell you, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that Jesus came to set us free, and if you want to be free in Jesus' name, you're free indeed. Amen? That's what the Bible teaches, and you can be free today. There's a third category today of people in the church, and I think most of us have never realized that they can get to this phase, and that's where you're free from sin. Again, let me qualify. I'm not saying you won't sin. I'm saying you're free from the bondage of it. It don't control you anymore. Um, it, it's, it's, it doesn't have control. It's not, it's not addicting me. It's not controlling my feelings. I'm not, I'm not trying to manage this thing. I'm living to fulfill my purpose. And, and, and if I do sin, if it, you know, now it's an occasional thing. It's a rare thing. But if I do, I repent, I ask God to forgive me, and I move forward. That's it. But it doesn't control me. I'm not, doing, I'm not having to live in this sin and this temptation, this sin, day in and day out, where I'm just always trying to hide it and cover it up. It doesn't control me. There's a, there's a place in your life that you can get to where sin no longer has a major part or plays a major role in controlling your life. And I know a lot of people would like to live there. And I don't know about you, but I want my life to be free from being controlled. I couldn't stand, when I first got saved and stuff, I couldn't stand the fact that I was being controlled by something. I was being controlled by an addiction. I was being controlled uh, by these temptations. And they, they would determine my moods. They would determine my, everything about my life. And, and then when I did fall into it, then I would, my moods would change and my feelings would change. And I can't stand to be controlled like that. I don't want anything controlling me. So there, they, it was a stronghold. I had some teachings that sh they showed me. That's a stronghold in your life. You're bound, and I didn't want to be bound. I didn't want to live as a slave. So it begs the question, how do I really get free from sin control in my life? How do I get free from this? I mean, because like probably many of you, when I first started with Jesus, I had a lot of sin in my past. So how do I get free from that thing controlling me? And I'm going to give you the million-dollar answer right here, and then we're going to talk about it, okay? It's the million-dollar answer. If you can do this, you're going to be free from everything. You ready for this? It's worth a million dollars. Here's the answer. Write this down if you're taking notes. If you want to be free from sin, give yourself completely to God. Give yourself completely to God. Not 95% of you. Because see, if when we're controlled by sin, whether it's anger or whatever it is, that little area we're holding on to. We're, we haven't given that to God. We're holding on to that. Wherever sin is dominating in your life, then that part of your life has not been given completely to God. You've reserved that part of your life for you, for yourself, because it makes you feel good. It relieves stress. It, does all, it, it gives you a false sense of hope, a false sense of pleasure. And you've held on to that certain area of your life, and you aren't willing to let go. So you've got to give yourself completely to God, every area. Every area. Before I came to, to, came to Christ, there were things in my life. I said, you know what? I don't want to let, I can't let go of this, but the truth is, is I didn't want to let go of this. I didn't want, I don't want to let go of this. I, I don't, I didn't think I could get free, but the problem is, is I didn't really want to get free. But then I realized, as I came to Jesus, I can let go of anything if I give myself completely to God. So let me give you an example. If you're married, you can resonate with this. If you're single, listen up. It's all the more important. Um, single people, single ladies and men. When you get married, and I'm talking about marriage in the ideal of the Bible, in the, in the views of the Bible, not the world. But in the ideal of marriage in the Bible, the, 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 the concept is to leave your father and your mother and come together as one and join yourself as one flesh. Everybody say one flesh. So this is the great mystery. How do I become one? 
Well, you, you, the, way you be, the way to become one is you give yourself completely to the other person. My body is your body. Your body is my body. My money is your money. I used to kid with my wife and say, everything that I have is mine and everything that you have is mine. But that's not the way it works. Your money is my money. Your, my money is your money. We don't have separate accounts. We don't live separate lifestyles. Everything comes together as one. If you're separated in any area of your life, you're not one. If you don't give yourself completely to the other person, then that opens that little place where you don't give, put yourself together. That gives the devil room to come in where it's separated, and he can come in, and he can bring division in that area. And then he can wreck the whole marriage. And so you can't be divided in your marriage. A lot of times as you go through marriage, one, you get tested in every area that you're separated. For instance, separate checking accounts. The devil's going to come in and test that area of your marriage. Because it's separated, and it's, you've got to, he's going to test that area. Another one is children. When you have children, um, what happens is one of the spouses will stop giving themselves to their spouse, and they'll take that area and start giving it to their children. And they'll start pouring into their children, and they'll start becoming one with their child. And the Bible never says to you know, leave your father and your mother and come together as your, with your child. You're, you're supposed to, nowhere in the Bible it says give yourself completely to your children. You give yourself completely to your spouse. And when you do that, you become one. And can I just tell you what happens with most people? This is important, especially if you're single too. If you're married, this is what happens. We're trained in the world. Listen to me carefully. We're trained in the world to chase feelings instead of grow commitments. We're trained to chase feelings instead of grow commitments. And what happens is if you're married based on feelings alone, you're going to have trouble in that marriage. Why? Feelings change. Feelings change from week to week, day to day, month to month, especially, I mean, in a couple of months, me and my wife will have been married 30 years. Feelings change. <laughs> Feelings change, and so moods change, and things change, and some days are really good, and some days are not good at all. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, some days you don't feel like being married. Some days you do feel like being married. You know, you have those days, and, and so feelings change, but if you focus on growing a commitment, then you're able to overcome your feelings. A lot of times when a marriage ends up in divorce, one person is usually chasing feelings, instead of growing the commitment. Single people do it all the time. Listen up, single people. You're just running from feeling to feeling to feeling, and you're trying to fulfill a feeling. And so if that feeling is not reciprocated in someone or something, then your feelings change. And the Bible's pretty interesting, especially when it comes to marriage. In the Bible, um, when, the, when two people come together in marriage, they didn't see each other until the day they got married. How would y'all like to do that? I mean, you have no idea. Your mom and dad just put this marriage together, and you just show up, and there they are. <laughs> and they didn't, you didn't, in other words, you, there was no courting period. They didn't come together and say, hey, do you have feelings for this person? They didn't do that. They just, you just showed up and your, your mother and your father chose the person for you. And um, as parents, we would like to choose our children's spouse because we know our young children are going to chase feelings instead of growing commitments. And can I say this? I've said all that to say this. That's the same thing that happens in churches too. It happens in churches all the time. Instead of chasing feelings in the church, you know, we chase feelings in the church instead of growing commitments in the church. As soon as we don't like the way we feel in a church, look at me, I love you, we go to another church. We jump to this church because we don't like the feelings, whatever it is. From kids ministry to music to the color of carpet to the color of walls to the word of the parking lot. If we don't like the feelings, we change the church because we're chasing a feeling. And how many, how many people chase a feeling with God? I see this all the time when I'm talking to people that are addicted. They chase, they're chasing a feeling with God, 
And when God doesn't give them that feeling, they change God's. Little g. Whatever it is, something else becomes their God. Whatever, sex becomes their God. Alcohol, drugs, whatever, that becomes their God. Whenever God doesn't give them the feeling that they want, instead of focusing on a commitment with God. Because I know so many people, they say, well, I tried God and it didn't work. Well, no, you didn't. God didn't give you the feeling you wanted. So that's why it didn't work. You didn't focus on the commitment with God. And so the point is, is if you're going to break the habit of sin, if you're going to break strongholds, if you're going to do all those things in your life, you've got to learn how to grow a commitment. If you're going to grow your marriage, focus on the commitment. If you're going to have good relationships, focus on the commitment. Don't chase feelings. Feelings will change. Happiness, happiness. I just want to be happy, Pastor. No, happiness is based on feelings. Don't chase happiness and feelings. Chase after the joy that God gives. Chase after the joy and the, the commitment because Jesus will bring joy into your life, joy that supersedes all understanding, a joy that, and a peace that just, that, that just goes down, resonates with you. So don't chase happiness and feelings. Romans 6.12 says this. Paul writes this letter, and this is what he said. Don't let sin control the way you live. In other words, you're going to sin, you're probably going to sin, but don't let it control the way you live. Do you give in to sinful desires? That's what Paul asked. Do you give in to sinful desires? In other words, are you chasing feelings? Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Serving, that's, that, that word is a connotation. That's a, that's a slavery word. You're serving. Instead, what are those next words? It says, let's, it says this, give yourself completely to God. Let's say that together. Say this with me. Say, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have a new life. Use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin when you're a follower of Christ, is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Now, how many of you like living under the freedom of God's grace? Okay, so let me tell you how that's been mistranslated in the Bible. It's been mistranslated in the world. It wasn't mistranslated in the Bible, excuse me. It's been mistranslated in the world. Because people take that scripture right there, that verse of scripture, and they think this is their way of thinking. They think, well... Because of God's grace, I can get away with sinning. God's grace is good. I can just sin and that I'll be forgiven. It doesn't matter. If I sin, it doesn't matter. Grace covers me. Grace forgives me. All is well. I can do whatever I want. I have a free pass to just sin, 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 sin. Because of God's grace, I'm going to be covered. And, and that's not what this scripture saying, folks. It's not what it's saying at all. You don't, have, you don't have the freedom to sin. The scripture is saying you can be free from sin because of God's grace. And because of God's grace, God's grace gives you the power over sin. In other words, grace is not a way out of dealing with sin. Grace is empowerment over that sin. The grace of God is is. The grace of God is God placing his power and grace on you so you don't have to live under that dominion of sin anymore. You don't have to live in that. He get, he, that's, his grace is an empowerment. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. So you can break that cycle of sin of grace. Uh, amen? We can all break that cycle. Um, there's a freedom that's available through God's grace. And so we're going to talk about how it happens now. Um, how do I develop this? How do I, uh, where sin is no longer controlling my life, you know, where it no, it's no longer driving me. I'm no longer manage, managing it. And so I'm going to give you three things to talk about here. And um, all of this stuff, we're talking in depth on Wednesday nights. It's called a class. We have a class. It's called Moving Forward. There's four classes and it's take, it takes you through everything that I'm talking about in detail about how to break these cycles and we go into it in depth. And, and we had a great crowd Wednesday night. And if you miss one of the classes, that doesn't mean you can't come to the second one or the third one. Come and be a part of it. Uh, in two weeks, we're going to even offer this on Sunday nights because we had such a, 
overwhelming response. A lot of people couldn't come on Wednesday night, so I'm going to be teaching it again on Sunday night. So make plans to attend that. It's four weeks. It'll be the best four weeks you ever invested in your life. I promise you. I guarantee it. 100% money back guarantee. So come to, <laughs> how do I break free from sin mastering? Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. You have to come to Jesus. That's the foundation right there. You have to come to Jesus. What does that mean? That means when you start to sin, remember what Adam and Eve did when they sinned. What did they do? They went and got them some fig clothes and, and some designer clothes out of fig trees. And, and the first thing they did was when they fell into sin, the first thing they did was run and hide themselves from God. They covered their nakedness. They went and hide behind the trees. And, and, they, did, and they ran away from God instead of running to God. That's what happens a lot of people. When they sin, they don't want to get near God. They don't want to get around people who, who have anything to do with God because that makes me feel bad. That, that's conviction. So a lot of times when people are sinning, they'll avoid church. They'll avoid Christian friends. They'll avoid even people being around people that remind them of church. And so they start distancing themselves, and they just they, they want to get around people that are going to make me feel good, the people that are going to make me ju- they're, they're going to make me feel good about my sin. They're going to partake in the sin with me. And Jesus talks to us about this in Matthew eleven eighteen. Um, Jesus, I'm going to I'm going to read this to you out of the message because it's it just it just makes it explode, and it's a different translation. But uh, um, I just like the way it sounds, but because it resonates. Jesus said this, Matthew eleven twenty eight. He said, are you tired? How many of you are tired of that thing controlling you? I mean, I, I know I got, after 15 years, I was tired of battling that addiction. I was tired of battling those alcohol, the drugs, whatever. I, I got tired. The Bible says, are you tired? Are you tired of that sin? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on trying to fix that sin with religion? Have you tried to deal, how many of you tried to deal with a stronghold just with religion? Because religion never gets you free from sin. Religion is a cover-up for sin. The Bible, it goes on to say, are you burned out with religion? Come to me. Jesus says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He goes on to say, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I just love how that says that. In other words, sin will no longer be weighing on you. It'll no longer be a weight. It'll no longer be bondage. It'll no longer, you'll no longer be slave to that thing. It'll no longer, you'll no longer feel the weight of that sin. So let me ask you a question. How, is that, how, 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 how have you come to Jesus? How are you coming to Jesus? Are you spending time with Jesus? Are you spending, how much time are you spending with God versus all the other things in your life? Have you come to a place where you decided, you know, man, I'm tired of this thing. I'm tired of, I'm tired of, I'm tired of trying. I'm tired of, I'm tired of trying to defeat this thing. I just want to be happy in my life. I just, you know, I just want to, I just want, I just want to be free from this thing. <coughs> Tired of trying to cover it up with religion. I'm ready to just lay this thing at the feet of Jesus and I'm ready to get rid of this weight. If you want to be free, listen to me, it's not going to happen on your own. It's not going to happen on your own. If it was going to ha- if you could do it on your own, you would have already done it. I tried for 15 years to get rid of that thing. I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't do it on my own. I had to, I had to bring it to Jesus. You know, I can't, I just had to, I, I struggled in my own flesh to trying to break that sin habit, and I couldn't do it. I had to come to Jesus and lay it at his feet and just say, you know what, I need, you got to take this thing. So what does it mean to give yourself completely to God? How do you do that? First of all, the first thing, if you're taking notes, write this down. Here's the first step, a first principle. It's a principle. Develop a life with God day to day. Develop a, long, a life with God day to day. Everybody say day to day. Not Sunday to Sunday. 
Not Sunday to Wednesday to Sunday to Wednesday. A day to day, one day at a time. Um, you can't be thinking about next week. You can't be thinking about the, the reunion and the parties and all them things next week. You can't be thinking about next week. You can't be thinking about 45 days from now. You, it's a day to day thing. Um, you know, many times when we start a relationship with God, we do one day and then skip a few days. Or we do one day and skip a few weeks. Um, the statistics tell us right now that the average, average Christian in America uh, attends church twice a month now. That's it. Two times out of four weeks. That's it. That's the average Christian in America. Uh, so we, we go one day, we skip a week, skip a couple of weeks. We go one day, skip a few days, skip a few days. And, and, we, think, and, and we think we can do life with God periodically. When it's not, it's a one. It's a day to day thing. It's a day to day. We don't. We don't. There's no days off with God. Um, you may have a day off from your job, a day off from life, but there's no days off with God. Every day, God wants to spend some time with you. And it's not like you got to get down on your hands and knees and bow down and spend three hours down there or anything like that. It's just a day-to-day conversation. Spend 10 minutes reading your Bible. Spend 10 minutes meditating. Just have a relationship with him day-to-day. When you come to God periodically, once in a while, what you're saying is, I got this, God. I don't really need you. I'll just come to you when I need you. I'll come to you on Wednesday when I need you. I'll come to Sunday when I need you. When it's, it's day to day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every day, 2 Corinthians 4.16 says this, do not lose heart. So many people lose heart. They have a tough Monday, and they start getting down in the dumps, and then Tuesday comes, and by, the, by Wednesday they lose heart. And you have an opportunity to come Wednesday night. We lose heart. We don't come. We, we feel bad. We, we sinned. We messed up. We feel bad Wednesday night. I don't want to come around the people of God. I don't want to come around church. Thursday, we're struggling. By Friday, we're back into our old lifestyle. Saturday, we're back there again. And Sunday, we just feel bad. We drag our tails into church, you know, and start all over again. How many of you live there? I mean, <laughs> you don't have to admit it, but I, I lived here for 15 years. Jesus said, don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day, day by day. Well, I just don't feel like reading my Bible. You can't chase feelings. You've got to grow a commitment. I just don't feel like coming to church. You can't chase feelings. That's a feeling. You've got to grow your commitment. Focus on the commitment, not the feelings. I mean, there's days I don't feel like coming to church either. There's Sundays I don't even feel like coming to church. There's Sundays I don't feel like preaching, but it's, I, there's, I, I'm not focused on my feelings. I could preach a whole other message on that about crucifying the flesh, crucifying those feelings, taking them to the altar of God and crucifying those. If you're struggling with sin, let me just tell you, if you're struggling with sin, it's because you're skipping days with God. You're skipping days with God. If you want to develop a life with God, it's day to day. You got to do it day to day, every day. And again, it's not like you got to fast and pray for eight hours a day or something. Spend 10 minutes, spend 15, 30 minutes, whatever you can, day to day. You also need, if you're writing notes, take this down a prayer life instead of a worry life. How many of you hate worrying? How many of you are worrying right now? You don't have to shake your, you don't have to raise your hands. If you don't have a prayer life, you're going to have a worry life. That's just it. Okay? You worry, you're going to worry about things. And so when you learn to start praying, your prayer life dictates the rest of your day. Your prayer life dictates the rest of your life. Your prayer life sets in motion what your life is going to be like for that day, for that week, for whatever. It's it's day by day. So when you get up and pray and you have a little time with prayer, it's going to dictate the rest of your day. Your prayer life is an investment into your day. It's an investment into the future of your day. A prayer life is saying, you know what? I can't, but you can, God. I don't know, but you do know, God. There's so many unknowns in our world. You know, what if, uh, you know, the elections, the uh, Russians, the China, the COVID, whatever, you know. So I, I don't know, God, but you know. And so I'm going to put this before you on a day-to-day basis. 
And then we get on social media and we get overwhelmed with lies and the lies of the enemy. And we just, and so the next morning, I, I'm just telling you what I got. The next morning, I got to give it to God again. You know what, God? I, here it is. <laughs> Paul said this in Philippians 4, 6, 4, 6, and 7. He said, don't worry about anything. You know what anything means? Anything. Anything. He said, instead, pray about Everything. Everything. Pray about everything, everything that's worrying you, everything, all your circumstances, all your troubles, everything. Pray about it. Whenever you're praying, whatever you're praying for, tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace. In other words, it doesn't say you're going to experience God's happiness because happiness is based on feelings. You're going to experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. Peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you have peace in your heart? Or do you have worry and anxious and anxiety in your heart? If you have worry and anxiety, it's because you worry, you, you're, you have a worry life instead of a prayer life. And if you exchange that and start praying, you're going to, you know, instead of worrying, let me just, let me just tell you, your life's going to be whole much better. And, pr- and I'm not talking about a, a prayer, prayer checklist, you know, like a grocery list. You know, I prayed for Aunt Johnny, prayed for Susan Mary, you know, Aunt Mary, and, you know, I prayed for my teeth and prayed for my health and I prayed for my dog and check, 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 and we just go on. It, prayer, what I'm talking about prayer life is have dialogue with God. Pray. Pray and talk to him like you know him, like he knows you. He wants to get to know you. He wants you to get to know him. Understand his characteristics. Understand his emotions. Understand uh, who he is. All those other things, your aunts and your dogs and your uncles and everything, God will take care of those. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. That's what the Bible says. Don't go through your checklist first. Seek to know God and who he is. And so that's what uh, prayer life instead of a worry life. Um, And I'm not saying don't pray for all those things on your checklist. I'm saying seek God first. Seek the kingdom of God. If you want to develop life with God, you have to have a prayer life instead of a worry life. And then here's the other one. You have to have a word life instead of a social media life. Y'all all right out there? So listen to me, a word life instead of a social media life. Just think about right now how much time you spend, uh, if you're a social media person, how much time you spend, uh, you know, how much time do you spend with God versus how much time you spend on social media looking at feeds and Snapchats and Instagrams and Facebooks and YouTubes and TikToks and Twitters and whatever else you can think of. How much time do you spend with God versus those things? And I'll even go say as far as not social media, but digital games. Games, just games, 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 addicted to games, candy crush, candy crush all day long. Got to see what's happening, got to see what's going on, got to see who's tweeting, got to see who's Facebooking, got to see who's TikToking, got to see, got to see what's doing, got to see what's going on. And, and people today are, listen, people today, they don't want to admit it, but they're, we're, we're addicted. I'll throw myself in there, addicted to social media. And I've been trying to break those cycles off my life for the past two months. And, you know, just I try to stay active for the church and things like that. But, man, it is addicting. And and ain't nobody got time for the word anymore. And when you feed your life on things like social media, TV, games, whatever they are, uh, when, when that's your life feed, eventually it'll start weakening your ability to resist sin. You'll get tired, you'll get stressed, and you'll get complacent, especially toward the things of God, and you'll start distancing yourself to God, and you'll be out there like a little lamb to the wolf, being thrown out to the wolves. You'll, you'll, temptation will come in. Temptation comes to work when you're tired and stressed. That's when temptation will come in, the most times when it'll come in. And so at some point, you've got to ask, how much time do I spend with God in his word? And, and I don't just mean reading the Word and just reading it and just saying I read the Word of God. I'm talking about having a reading plan, digesting it, meditating on it, thinking it through. How does this apply to my life? Spending time, 15 minutes, I don't, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever you can do, build that habit. And, and do you spend time with God in the Word? A majority of Christians, they don't read the Word of God. And I'm not 
throwing rocks at you or anything. I'm just saying that's that statistics tells us this. The majority of Christians don't read the Word of God. They read a, somebody's scripture on on the Twitter feed. <laughs> and I, oh, I got my. <laughs> no, you didn't. You read somebody's. <laughs> you're reading your feed. We'll read novels all day long. We'll read the number one books and the self-help books. We'll read those all day long. We'll read social media posts all day long. But we never read the Bible. When the Bible says the Bible is where it gets you set free, uh, it says in John, you shall know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. The, the Dr. Ruth or Dr. anybody's not going to set you free. Self-help book's not going to. The Bible is what's going to set you free. What would it look like if we just got up in the morning and spent 10, 15 minutes? You open the Word of God, you read that thing, and you just read it. And after I finished, I kind of digested it and meditated on it a little bit. Asked myself, how does this apply to my life? Instead of just scrolling social media and getting up scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and liking, and liking, and liking, and comment, share, like, comment, share, like, comment, share. And so um, stop trying to be cool on social media and all that stuff. And, and look, social media is a tool. I get it. Money's a tool too. There's a lot of things that are good tools, but you can't let those things have you. You know what I'm saying? They can't control you. And so then the second one, let's get to this. This is one of the good ones. Focus on the new instead of the old. Everybody say, focus on the new. And, and what I'm talking about is your old lifestyle versus your new lifestyle. When you came to Jesus Christ, it's born again. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. It, it, you have a new life. And then you have an old life. And, and this is what so many people don't understand is it's not what you go forward to that gets you in trouble. It's what you go back to in your life. That's what gets you in trouble. It's not what you go forward to. You know, I'm going to go forward every day. I'm going to walk in faith every day. Sometimes I'm going to slip. Sometimes I'm going to fall. Sometimes I'm going to do things I'm probably make decisions I shouldn't do. Uh, but it's, that's not what gets me in trouble because I can overcome that. It's what I go back to. What's the first thing the disciples did when they got all depressed and got all down because Jesus ascended? They went back to the boats. They went back to fishing. I don't know what else to do. Let's just go back to the boats. Let's go back to our old way of life. And Jesus had to go meet him out there too. <laughs> and so it's not what you go forward to. It's what you go back to. There's a constant pull to bring you back to your old way of life and bring you back to your old habits and your old sins. And the problem with that old life is a lot of times in that old life, that old life is filled with failures, it's filled with memories, bad memories, it's filled with troubled relationships, it's filled with bad decisions, and what happens is that old life, uh, um, it has a way of creating all this guilt and all this shame and giving you these complexes that you'll never amount to anything, that you can never be successful, you can never be a, a good Christian, you'll never do this. It gives you this, this bad, shameful sinful, guilty complex instead of a righteous complex. Instead of feeling righteous about yourself. And in order to function, in, in order to function in that old way of life, you got to deal with all those bad memories. You got to deal with those past failures. You got to deal with those mistakes. You got to deal with those bad relationships. Uh, you know, and you got to deal with that stuff. You got to deal with the drama. Paul said in Philippians 3.12, he said, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But Paul said, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed when he first possessed me. Paul says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Everybody say one thing. I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. You can't keep looking back. You can't keep looking back to your old way of life. You can't keep playing with your old life. You can't keep one foot in the old lifestyle. If you're going to be successful, if you're going to break those traps, if you're going to break those cycles of sin, you, can't, you, you have to press forward, Paul said. I press on to reach the end of the race and achieve that heavenly prize for which through Jesus Christ is calling us to achieve. Here's what I know about all of us. We've all done some things in the past we're not proud of. Every one of us in this place. 
things we're ashamed of. We've all had bad experiences in our past, bad memories, uh, you know, and, they ex- and we experience those bad thoughts. And what happens, those memories and those bad experiences are designed to keep you enslaved and keep you bound up and keep you, and keep you in slavery. That's what they're designed to do. They are called the lies of the devil, enslaved to the past instead of being free and moving forward. That's why the class on Wednesday Sunday nights and Wednesday nights is called Moving Forward. We got to quit being stuck. We got to quit staying in neutral. We got to quit being, being like a chained to a tree, trained to that sin. We got to move forward. And so what do we do? We go about a month, and then we go back to our past. That's what I did. That's what I used to do. You know, we go to a men's rally or go to, you know, have a revival or have a guest speaker and we feel good. We get that Christian adrenaline shot, you know, and we're feeling good about ourselves. We go on about a month or something like that. And then one of our friends comes around. Hey, guess what's happening this weekend? And we get pulled back into that way of lifestyle again. We get pulled to the old friends and we just, old lifestyle. And then we start experiencing all the bad memories and drama. And then, ah, it's exhausting. You have to stop focusing on the past. You have to start dan- you have to stop dancing with that old man, that old person, that old way of life and start focusing on your future. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians. He said this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. So hopefully you understand that when you when you come to Jesus Christ, you ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you're a new person. You're born again, baptized, new way of life. And so When you give your heart to Jesus, you're not who you used to be. You're not that old person no more. You've been born again. And you have you're 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 just fresh. It's like being fresh, just born again, literally born again, newborn newborn baby. Think of a newborn baby. How many of you? I mean, we got lots of newborn babies running around this place, or being carried around this place. And nobody ever takes a little born baby, all cute and cuddly, and looks at that baby and go, "Oh, you're so cute, you little sinner. You're so full of sin. You're so you little you just you're so you're just a sinner, you little baby. You're so cute though." Nobody looks at a baby and does that. What appeals to us about that little baby is they smell so good and it's their innocence. It's the innocence of a newborn baby, man. That is just, that's something that'll change your world, especially as a parent. And so no one holds that baby accountable for their sins and for anything that they're going to do wrong in their future, right? They're a baby. They're innocent. They just started their life. And that's the same way Jesus looks at you when you're born again. God doesn't look at you and based on your past anymore. He doesn't bring your past up. He doesn't scold. He's not here to scold you for your past. He's not here to discipline. He's not here to put you in a corner for your past. He's not, you're a newborn baby. He said, as far as the east is the west, I've thrown your sins into the sea of forgetfulness to remember them no more. That's good news for some of y'all. And he's, 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 those sins are gone. And he looks at you like you're innocent, like you've never sinned, like a newborn baby through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the lens of Jesus Christ. He, when he looks at your old sin, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ. He don't see your failures anymore. What would it look like if you just started living in the innocence of a newborn baby? I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm free. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean you're not going to sin. When you, re- when you sin, you just repent and go on. Say, God, I'm sorry. I'm a new creation. I'm a new child. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not, I can't hang out with those people. I remember when I was born again, I had to tell some people in my life, some friends, close friends, good friends, hey, I don't do that stuff anymore. I love you. I want to be your friend. I didn't say I love you to my buddies. I that's not cool. <laughs> I was like, dude, I still want to be a friend. Love hanging out with you, but listen, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, I got a family, got wife and kids. I, I, I'm born again. I'm trying to move forward. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna partake in that old lifestyle anymore. I'm not gonna go to those joints anymore. <laughs> whatever they are, whatever those joints are, those places, you know what I'm talking about. I said, I'm a new creation. I lost some friends. We got disconnected because they wanted to. St- Stay on, stay doing what they're wanting to do. And I, I, and some, listen, some of you might still be connected to the past. 
trying to be a new person, but still trying to hang out with the old way of life. And it just doesn't work that way. The old friends, the old life, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta cut the cords. And a lot of those relationships have come back to me, and they're better than they were before. They're stronger than they were before. There's more feelings in them. You know, now we have different goals. We have different mindsets. We all understand that we were stupid. (laughs) We were stupid. The decisions. The Bible says don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light be with darkness? That's what the Bible says. So if you're going to be free, you can't be connected with people who draw you back into your old way of life. And sometimes, I mean, listen, it, I mean, it can be extreme. I know people that have quit jobs over this. They said, this job just drags me down, man. And they've quit, they've changed careers. They've changed jobs because of this. If you're going to be free, you can't be connected with people that are going to drag you down and draw you back. You're going to have to cut, cut ties. And, and, and it, so it means forgetting your failures, forgetting your mistakes, your bad choices, leaving them behind. And then the last one is this. It's a day-to-day relationship with God. Focus on the new instead of the old. And then this one is start living by faith instead of living by fear. Start living by faith instead of by fear. A lot of, a lot of people live in fear. They, they don't live by faith. They live by fear. And let me explain that because a lot of you, you might not understand fear the way I'm going to explain it because you're not sitting here scared. So let me, let me explain what I mean um, so a lot of people, what, they, what happens is they're, they're afraid of things, so it paralyzes them. They don't move forward. They don't take chances. They don't step out in faith. So they get inside of this fear box, and they stay inside of that box. So many Christians across our churches are in these boxes. That box is called the comfort zone. It's called the comfort zone. So they're paralyzed in there. They're paralyzed in that fear of that comfort. It's not necessarily a fear like a, of the boogeyman or something like that. It's, a, it's just this fear. I'm not going to step up. I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid I don't have time. I'm afraid I won't be any good. And so we stay in this comfort zone. And, and so, you know, so we live in that place. You have all it says. The Bible talks about a faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed. You have so much faith in you. Oh, I just need more faith. You don't need any more faith in you. You need, you need to just kick your doors down of your box. We, we have faith. This morning you got up in your car and, and nobody, you, when you put the key in the ignition, you didn't think to yourself, oh, dear Lord, I don't know if I'm going to make it to church. I, I, man, if I pull out of this driveway, I'm going to get struck. I'm going to get healed. I can, we're going to have a wreck. Uh, uh, man, I just can't do this. I might have to stay in my driveway. I can't go anywhere. No, no, no. You, got, you just started it up and put it in gear and took off. You drove by faith. Those things could happen. Right? They could happen, but you just did it without even thinking because you do it all the time. You just did it. By faith, you just did it. You drove by faith. You came to church, some of you, and dropped your kids off back there. You just did it by faith. You just trust Trinan and all his staff and everybody. You just did it. You don't even question. You just did it. Here, here's my kids. Take them. Give me a break. You just did it by faith. You dropped off your kids. You just did it. Why? Because you do it all the time. You're used to it. You've practiced this. You do it. You just do it. You sat down in your chairs. I didn't see anybody pick up the chair and check the legs and see if they're sturdy enough and, you know, check the weight limit. (laughs) You didn't do that. You just just plop down in the chair. And see, what happens is there's um, a lot of people come to the church and when God asks you to do something, it's like, I can't do that. I, I don't, I, I'm afraid somebody's going to, you know, I, I just, I can't do that. Let me, let me tell you something about fear. Fear draws things. Fear draws the future. I, said, I told him this morning, fear is a prophet from hell. Job said this, he said, the thing I feared the most happened to me. Fear draws things. Hear me out. So when we live in fear, sometimes it draws bad things into our life instead of living by faith. I mean, I'm just going to, I didn't say that this morning, but I'm going I'm to say this. 
I'm going to talk about my daughter for just a minute because I remember when my daughter was growing up, when she was 8th grade, ninth, 10th, 11th grade right there, I remember me and my wife, and, and I hate saying this, but we used to say, oh, I'm just so afraid. I just don't want her to end up pregnant. I just don't want her to end up pregnant. We were afraid, and a fear drew that in. And it, and it happened. And we have a great grandson. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, those things that bind you by fear. I'm just afraid. I'm just afraid this is going to happen. I'm afraid I'm going to get COVID. I'm afraid I'm going to get sick. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Give me the mask. Give me the mask. Fear draws things, bad things, into your life. Fear is a prophet from hell. And that's what's happening in America right now. That's what's happening through all this. Fear is prophesying this stuff for a lot of people. And, and so, so when, when, when you, when, you know, people, they ask God all the time, when God asks you to do something, well, I don't know if I can do that. Start a business, teach a Bible school, you know, preach, teach, you know, lead a small group. I just don't know if I can do that, man. I'm afraid to do that. I'm afraid I'm a failure. I don't, I can't do that. I'm afraid of failing. I don't know if I'm equipped. I don't know if I know the Bible good enough. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid I'm going to be rejected. I'm afraid somebody's going to hurt me. I'm afraid of being transparent. I just don't know if I'm afraid I won't have enough time. And the Bible says very clearly about this. You can't accomplish anything in your life with fear controlling you. You'll stay in your comfort zone and you'll stay in your box and you won't accomplish anything. And the Bible goes on to say, 2 Timothy 1.7, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and sound mind. That indicates that there's something about fear. That scripture tells us right there that fear is a spirit. Fear is not a feeling. You don't overcome, you don't chase feelings. Fear is not a feeling. Fear is a spirit from hell. Now, there's a good fear, a fear of God. That's not what I'm talking about. This fear I'm talking about is a fear, and it's a fear from hell. And, and this fear, this is a spirit, and it is attached to, to fear. And Satan uses that fear to intimidate you and, into, and to stall your life and to keep you from stepping out of your comfort zone and to keep you from being all that God has called you to be. It keeps you petrified. It keeps you from going anywhere. It keeps you from communicating with people. They would rather us just stay in isolation for 14 days. Because <laughs> that's what fear does. Fear is a prophet from hell. So you have to remind yourself. See, what's, what fear does, the spirit of fear prophesies your future without God. The spirit of fear talks to you about your future as if, as if God doesn't exist. I mean, look at America. Look at all we're going through. Oh, I don't know. The elections. What if Biden gets elected? What if Trump gets elected? What about the Russians? What about the Chinese? What about COVID? What about the stock market? What about this? And all those things are prophesying your future without God. And, and you have to get up every day and remind yourself that God still exists. Day by day. God still exists. God's still on the throne room. God's still in control. God is not afraid. And God, God, the spirit of the spirit of good overcomes fear always. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he than he that prophesy in fear. You can't be controlled by fear. And, and it can be as little as just staying in your comfort zone. Staying in the boat. We talked in our prayer time about staying in the boat. I mean, I mean, Jim, Jim used the analogy that all the, there were 12 disciples and only one of them got out on the water. Maybe some of them had their one leg over and maybe some of them were about to jump in, you know. But when they saw Peter sinking, oh, dear Lord, get back in the boat, get back in the boat. The water's no good. You can't walk on that. Fear prophesies your future. So you have to remind yourself God still does exist. You have to remind, uh, you, you don't need to fear the future or anything else for that matter. We're so trained to function by fear and not by faith. When the Bible says faith is what pleases God. Faith is what pleases God. When you drop down in the chair and you don't even think about it and you throw yourself down in there, when you get in your car and you drive to, drive to the church and you don't even think about it, that's how God wants you to operate. When he tells you to do something, just do it. When, you just, when he asks you to jump over here, you just jump. You don't question about it. You don't have to pray about it for 40 days. You just do it. 
Because delayed obedience is disobedience. So you just do it. And that's the, that's the type of faith God wants us to operate in it. Just like a little child. Eight-year-old grandson. If I tell him to do something, he don't even think, man. He just does it. Hey, jump off the bed. You know, he'll do it. If I tell him to do it, he'll do it. Just do it. He'll do it. And so <laughs> Hebrews 11 says, 11, 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so if you're, li- listen to me, and I'll, I'm going to close this. If you're living in your comfort zone, and, and comfort zone is a cool word to cover up fear. When we say, oh, I just want to stay here. I'm comfortable right here. Comfort is a word for, it's, just, it's, it's to cover the word fear. If you're hiding in your comfort zone and you're not doing anything, I hate to tell you this, you're not pleasing God. You're not pleasing God. I mean, we need people to work. We, we, we got one person back there trying to run a whole live stream and the cameras and doing all that. We need people on these cameras. We need people to help us with the lyrics so we can make this same experience here for the whole world to see. Um, we need people working in children's or We need people on Wednesday nights. We need people. I know some of you feel called to do and called to serve and called to help. Listen, just do it. Just serve, man. I, that was week one of this series. Just serve. Just serve. You never know what God's going to do through you. Just, just the attitude of, I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve. Because God will open up other doors for you, but I told you it's going to be worked out through serving and giving. That's where God works. He's going to work in those areas in your life first. Because if serving is below you, everything else is, be- is beyond you. And so just serve. Have that attitude. When God says, hey, I feel like you should do this. When God puts on your heart, just do it. Don't think about it. Don't even question about it. Just do it. Just do it, and uh, because if if you're not, you're not pleasing God. That's not faith. And I'll take it to another level, and then I'll be done. But but for some people, the reason the reason why they fear is because they have sin in their life, hidden sin. And we figure because I have this sin in my life. Well, God can't use me, you know. I just don't know. I just, you know, I, I don't think God could use me. I just don't, I just, you know, I just don't know. I don't think so. And a lot of times it's because we have hidden sin in our life. And that sin is hindering us from doing and moving in that, er- in that direction. Whenever you see the Bible characters anywhere in the Bible, anywhere in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, any, whenever they did anything significant for God, they didn't sit there and whine and complain about their sins. Oh, I don't know. You know, I messed up the other day, and I just don't think I need to be doing this on Wednesday night. I don't think I need to be doing that. You know, I need to go see Dr. Phil. I need to go see my counselor. I need to go see my doctor. And, you know, I just need more, I need more meds. I got to have more medications. You know, I got to have some more sleep pills. And I just, blah, 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 blah. And when you see those people, people in the Bible, the characters in the Bible, they sinned, they messed up, grossly messed up. But their attitude was, well, God was with us, God is with us, and so I guess we can possess this thing, let's just do it. They just did it. Oh, God said we could go cross that ocean? Okay, let's just do it. God said we could possess that land? Let's just do it. God said we could do it, he's just with us. Sometimes sin blinds us. It blinds us. And God wants you to be free from that. If you guys want to come, I'll, 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 I'll quit. While they're coming, let me recap this, and then, and then we're going to pray. Let me just recap this. I want to think about this now. Let's process this. I gave you a lot of stuff. Let's think about this. It starts with a day-to-day relationship with God. Don't overcomplicate it. Day-to-day, have some time with God. A little bit of time. Pray instead of worry. Put the word of God inside of you instead of social media. Take out some social media. I'm not saying, you, you know, if you're a social media guy. Listen, I'm just saying, cut some, cut some of that time out. Appropriate your time. Focus on the new man. Don't focus on your past. Don't focus on your failures. Take the rear view mirror down if you have to. Take it down. Quit looking backwards. Quit focusing on your past. Well, I did this way back then, and I just don't think God can use me. I don't mean, no, that's, that's a lie from hell. Stop living in fear and stop living in faith and start living in faith. And if you do that, those little things right there, those little principles, let me tell you something. It's, it starts right there. If you start to do those things, those little principles, 
that's what it looks like to give yourself completely to God. Over time, you'll start practicing them more and more, and they'll start developing, and you'll start maybe you'll start reading your Bible more, and you know, you just it, it just goes from there. It grows. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. I want you to process this. Every person, just process it in your own way. Don't think about who's not here and who's watching you. Just think about your own life right now. Let me, let me simplify it for more, a little bit more. Sin is categorized. There's two categories of sin today. And we all, I, I've lived in these. There's two categories of sin. There's the sin of omission. What that is is there are things that you should do that you're not doing. You're not doing them. And then there's the sins of commission, commission, C-O. And those are the things that you should not do, but you're doing. It really is that simple. And there, there are a lot of people in here, and there's things that you should be doing that you're not doing. Whether it's reading your Bible, whether it's serving, whether it's giving, whether it's tithing, whatever it is. There's things that you should be doing that you're not doing. Then there's things that you shouldn't be doing that you're doing. And this is your opportunity to be free. This is your day to be free. Start living free. It starts with a decision. I want to give this area of my life to God. I want to step out of the comfort zone. I want to step across the line. I want to give this area to, to God. I may not be there right now, but I want to start. My life belongs to God. It doesn't belong to, to me. And I want to give myself completely to God. If that's you in the sanctuary, if you're watching online, I want to, I want to, I want you to take this moment and we're gonna we're gonna declare this over our life today. We're gonna declare this over our life today. And then when I'm through praying, if you want to come forward, I'll pray with you. If you want that, I'll, I will be more than happy to pray for you always. But everybody, everybody right now, stand with me all over this place.